saying that change doesn't have to come with huge structural policy changes that you can be a change agent, whether that you're, that you in that sentence refers to, you know, a community development organization, uh, a neighborhood activist, those groups and individuals can be change agents um, for their communities and really lifting up powers and platforms for them to do so. We are back. Today, our guest is Matthew Clark. He is the executive director of the Design Trust for Public Space, which is a nonprofit dedicated to the future of public space in New York City. They sit at the center of all stakeholders and bridge a lot of people and efforts, much, much more in the episode. You gotta check it out. Trustbydesign.space and designtrust.org are the places to go check it out so matthew is originally from kentucky and was previously the national director of creative placemaking at the trust for public land his breadth of knowledge is unbelievable i mean he's got so much different um, faucets of his experience and he's doing important work that we can all definitely learn from so this episode super fun do you want to know about the origins of placemaking from multiple perspectives, how to advocate and support for better public space, the future of public space? Listen to the episode to find out. is a shout out to a podcast of some friends of mine is called to that point if you're interested in the intersection of business and culture queue up to that point a podcast and community for curious strategists and creatives as career strategists that care about more than the hottest tech startups co-host montana blair and jasmine esser sorry if i didn't pronounce that right guys bring a fresh perspective and authority on the industry trends that don't always make the front page they bring together people from diverse disciplines and backgrounds to talk about how they are questioning established norms in their industries and making headlines for reasons better than their latest round of vc funding each season explores new approaches to innovation that embrace context and culture rather than ignore them. Exciting stuff, guys. From topics like fashion houses that mind more than the clothes they make, the changing value prop of higher education, to the future of business and entrepreneurship in a post-pandemic society. Hear stories from the founders themselves and deep dive into the industries they are transforming. Whether you work in strategy for a large corporation, are interested in starting your own thing, or just find business and culture entertaining, this is a space for you to learn and ask critical questions. Great stuff. Stream to that point wherever you get your podcasts and follow them on Instagram at to that point. All one word. Matthew, welcome to the show. Uh, Stick, thank you for having me. Great to be here. So, just first question, I always want to know more about uh, the guests. Are you from Kentucky? Absolutely. Um, born and bred, uh, 
I'm proud to be there. I think I think ninth generation, um, last I can count, but we've been wow. in the same town for uh, quite some town. I'm based in New York right now, obviously, but um, very proudly from Kentucky. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And so how does that, how has that shaped your views of public space? Um, well, a lot. I'll put it, I'll put it that way. Um, and in many ways, uh, you know, I grew up there, I went to undergrad there and hmm. um, through, through those experiences and, and quite a lot actually um, as an undergrad uh, was deeply involved in a lot of uh, civic matters, politics, planning um, conversations that were happening. Yeah, and so in many ways, use the city, use Lexington um, as kind of a laboratory, or maybe yeah. even a classroom to kind of understand the things I was interested in about architecture and planning uh, and policy, and get to, get to see it from uh, cool. kind of a, a um, you know a real case. And, and Lexington is about three hundred thousand people, mm. and so. It's big enough to be a city to have all the kind of complexities of a city, but at the same time, you know, you can get to know the mayor and council and developers and advocates and, and get to know them and actually see how things work. And so, I, I really for me that way. Um, and then, secondly, um, uh, it's also a city that has an urban growth boundary that was developed in the '60s, if I'm, I think I'm correct. Um, and one of the few cities, Portland, has one as well. Um, and so it has a really beautiful relationship to its its countryside. It's the horse farms surrounding Lexington's, and so yeah. you really get to understand the relationship between, uh, you know, a city um, and the kind of country and how it how that has an interrelationship. And so public space uh, in Central Kentucky means everything from the horse farms that that characterize that landscape down to you know the the courthouse square where yeah. the farmers market is. And to see that connection, and actually you're seeing that connection really develop even more recently with um, mm -hmm. the Town Branch Trail and Town Branch Commons, which are sort of higher profile public spaces that are being developed, um, that are connecting, you know, the trails coming in from, from more rural areas, coming downtown yeah. to kind of some higher quality, high quality public spaces. So um, yeah, it can actually continues to be a laboratory and continues to inform some best practices. So it's, it's even though I'm based in New York, it's, it's always fun to, um, stay involved and stay connected to, to Lexington. Yeah, of course, of course. And I, I love your perspective being sort of, you worked at the, uh, you're the National Director of Creative Placemaking at the Trust for Public Land. Like you just, I think your approach to everything, it's very uh, special and unique. So it's really, um, yeah, I I think your perspective is great. Uh, and I, that's, I guess, my next question. Because you've worked in so many different places, uh, I guess, in placemaking, can you maybe explain your, can you describe what placemaking is? Yeah, and I'll, I'll, I'll say a caveat about this term placemaking, which yeah. has become in the past 10 years uh, from kind of a niche idea to something that is pretty ubiquitous in kind of planning circles. And so I want to maybe caution you know, everyone to think that it, it can mean a lot of things to a lot of people, whether you're a developer looking to activate your development whether you're talking about creative placemaking in particular, which is really looking at how arts and culture can um, be a, a leading agent of, of community developments, um, yeah. to thinking about piloting ideas in kind of a, a quick um, and efficient way. There's a lot of different practices within this umbrella. Um, I think there's a few principles though that, that's, that are common to all of them, which are one, it's, it's really focused on um, people, uh, and, and not only that, but people's power uh, and relationship to their place, how that uh, it can be, um, they can have a voice over, over their own environment. Yeah. Um, 
it's really focused on the uniqueness of place um, uh, in the sense that every, every city, neighborhood, community is unique in its assets and its uh, challenges and its histories and that um, um, a development or a planning or um, um, uh, whatever, that those perspectives uh, differ all over the country and, and that, that there's a, uh, a unique frame to reference there. Um, it's also very, it, it, in, in my first point, it, it's um, intimated that it's about people and it's also about saying that change doesn't have to come with huge structural policy changes, that you can be a change agent, whether that you're, that you, in that sentence refers to, you know, a community development organization, uh, a neighborhood activist, um, those groups and individuals can be change agents um, for their communities and really lifting up powers and platforms for them to do so. Um, totally. So that's kind of a broad frame. You know, there's a, there's a longer history. I, if you, I can give you this all kind of other, other answer too, which is I think kind of if there's any policy wonks out there quite interesting, which is that term was really born out of the last economic uh, recession. Um, and that recession was was largely driven, if, it, if we all remember, by um, uh, mortgage defaults and, and, and a housing crisis. And at that moment, you had a new administration. Um, and then, you know, by many measures, you had the least mobile um, society in American history. People were attached to to bad mortgages or attached to, de attached to debt. So people were really stuck in place. And so the previous administration, the Obama administration, um, said we need to focus on policies that aren't issue specific. So not thinking about just housing or just transportation or just environment. We need to think about place-based policies. Um, so he brought together uh, an initiative around sustainable communities that brought together three federal agencies to do collaborative grant making and to do collaborative projects. Wow. Wow. As part of that, the National Endowment for the Arts um, joined and said, hey, if we want to think about place, what better way to do so than, th than through um, uh, arts and culture. Arts and culture, whether that's food or museums or theater, um, cultural practices, folk practices, um, uh, native traditions, those are the really ways in which we we yeah. define and think about places that we came from or that we visit. Um, and so they had a white paper called Creative Placemaking that really started a lot of um, um, energy in this in this area uh, and also a grant program called Our Town, uh, which has since funded a lot of um, placemaking, creative placemaking based projects. Um, and there's a huge portfolio now to, to speak from. So that that's a little bit of the specific example, but I also think it, it's um, demonstrative of a, of, a kind of a bigger trend. I love that. I think uh, I like how you brought in how like cultural from the cultural lens and um, bringing in artwork and that side, because yeah, I think it's just, that's what can unite a lot of people. And that brings people out into use the space. You know, I think it's a very useful uh, area to, yeah, just create really good place. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, uh, okay. Design trust for public space. So that's what you're doing now. Um, what is it? And uh, I, I think it's great. Just, just to head it off, but um, yeah, if you could describe it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm really um, I'm lucky to be part of uh, the Design Trust for Public Space. Um, it's an organization that has been um, um, the leading edge of the public space movement for the past 25 years. We're celebrating that anniversary so exciting um, this year. Um, it's an organization that really says um, public space is critical infrastructure for our, our cities and communities. Um, and we can use that frame to really um, um, reimagine and, and, and um, uh, build our cities. Um, it does this work 
really a, kind of a problem-seeking mode. It, it works on projects um, uh, through an RFP process. So every two to three years, we um, um, put an open call um, to New York City, to our community, to say uh, what ideas, issues, problems, challenges, innovations are on your plate. So as opposed to us saying, here's what we want to be doing, here's a project we're going to you know, fund and, and stand up, we, we hear from individuals. And those individuals you know, range from an individual artist in a neighborhood who has no affiliation to one of the largest departments in, in New York City government. And both of those you know, are on equal footing in our mind. Um, yeah. And we're really looking to kind of crowdsource um, and identify um, projects that can, um, um, from New York. Um, we we um, structure these projects um, uh, or lead these projects around with them. Um, uh, three fellows or three to four fellows who come on board. Um, these fellows might have interest in or backgrounds in urban planning and that's like architecture, design, um, policy, economics, journalism. Um, so these, these projects are then led by those fellows who we support uh, over a period of, of um, a few years. Uh, over the course of that work, we're doing research, we're learning, but then we're also saying, let's, let's pilot an idea. Let's work on an idea, develop a best practice. Um, but we're also looking for projects, and in the course of those projects, we're looking to develop systems change. So, you know, we might have an idea um, that is really great. We'll pilot it. We'll test it. How did it work? Did it work well? We'll learn from that, um, and then we'll say, hey, how can we embed this as, as part of a, a larger systems change for New York City? And so, yeah. you know, some of that work has involved um, some of the early work around Plan, uh, Plan YC, which was New York's first sustainability guidelines. Um, we recently finished up some work. Um, on a project called Under the Elevated, which is looking at spaces underneath elevated infrastructure in New York City, so elevated highways, railroads. Huh. Um, we've piloted two of those, but in working with the Department of Transportation are, are working to make sure that is something that they can think about over the many miles of, of um, under the elevated spaces, nice, nice. which could make for acres and acres of new public space for New Yorkers. And yeah. even this week, they're still working on um, uh, some of those spaces and, and how that can um, uh, serve as relief public space um, during the time of COVID. So that's just yeah. an example of, of what the project looked like. But, you know, over the course of those years, we've done dozens of such projects that range from mm. taxis of tomorrow, the future of Times Square, um, the High Line was one of our early projects, um, design guidelines, um, yeah, a real range and, and um, uh, diverse portfolio of how public space, as I said, um, can be that critical infrastructure for cities. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I think it plays such a critical role in implementing and changing, yeah, public la public space and, um, yeah, just the landscape of the city that might not by that might be stones unturned otherwise. You know, I think there's a perfect spot in between sort of private, public, maybe an intermediary among the like other things you guys you guys are doing. It's I mean, in insane. I think like every city should have something like this. What would you recommend for like other communities maybe to have to start off something like this? Yeah, I think and I, having worked around the country a lot, you are starting to see a lot of organizations that are have some similarities to Design Trust. Um, and I think that's a really great cool. thing. It's a great tr trend. And I might point to one particular part of Design Trust, which I, I find um, valuable, and in particular today, given some of you know our, our political realities, is that we often serve as an intermediary uh, between, let's say, sets of interests. And those aren't necessarily competing interests, but those interests might not have forums or channels to, to talk or might be um, um, uh, on different, let's say, sizes or scales. 
uh, or maybe yeah. they are on different sides of, of, let's say, a certain interest. And so we often act as a kind of intermediary between, let's say, city government and the community, uh, between different kinds of sectors, and really make sure these conversations, ideas around public space can be advanced. And so I think for other communities, finding those kinds of spaces of safe, curated, intermediary spaces, organizations, initiatives that can be that balance so that it doesn't become, let's just say, you know, a public against a city. So if there is, you know, there's, as I said, yeah. we live in a certain yeah. political reality and government can feel, let's say, foreign or bureaucratic or um, at times unresponsive, which is, of course, not always the case. Um, most often, not, not often the case. Um, and so design trusts and other organizations can serve in that kind of role of saying, um, what are the priorities of the administration? What are also all your challenges and limitations? How can we, then we serve that role of, of doing engagement, let's say, of finding expertise, holding yeah. conversations, building coalitions. So I think in particularly that kind of that intermediary coalition building space yeah. is really, really critical. Um, and um, that can take a number of forms totally. too. Like our model is specific, but I think there can be, um, that can look like uh, a lot of different things depending on the assets of, of any any neighborhood or community. Yeah, rock on, rock on. Thank you. Okay, so you're working on a new initiative. It's called Trust by Design. Um, yeah, so uh, what's that and how's that going? Uh, so Trust by Design is something that we developed um, this year. Um, and it's, it's you could say it's in response to or because of the pandemic and we, you know, we find ourselves unable to do um, the same kind of, let's say, deep community-based um, public work because of uh, some of our constraints. Um, but it acknowledges that right now, in this very moment, public space has never been more celebrated, welcoming, acknowledged. But conversely, it's never been more threatened. And in New York, our, you know, for example, our budget has been, the city parks budget has been cut by tens of millions of dollars, um, ne nearly $100 million, I think, actually. Holy cow. Um, and so, you know, at, at, during this pandemic, we have sought public spaces, whether that's a park to relax, whether that's a street to protest, as essential spaces. And we've seen that on a really immediate basis. Um, and I think at the same time, city budgets are hurting. Um, we're, we're, we're gonna be challenged to, um, you know, invest in the, the assets we need to, to think about a recovery. So Trust by Design has been an attempt to really foreground um, what is the role of public space in the immediate um, and medium term? Um, how can we advance some conversation to show that public space isn't just a nice to have, but an essential to have? And then we talk about a, you know, three goals that have come out of that um, around promoting health and racial equity, equal access and opportunity, uh, and recovery and resilience that have sort of particular dimensions to them. And so over the course of the past um, three to four months, we've been having conversations from a range of uh, public sector leaders here in New York, um, thought leaders from a range of backgrounds, from artists to curators to scientists to um, 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 practitioners of all sorts to help us frame and enrich those efforts. And then we've been really looking back at Design Trust work and saying, how can we meet this moment? How can we answer these questions um, in our next 25 years of our history? So. You know, as I've been saying, it's it's been a really challenging years, really challenging year yeah. for us, for everyone. Um, but I think Trust by Design has helped us to say, 
you know, we have a really important mission. We want to be part of this conversation and it's helping us learn uh, and grow and say, here's how we can, we can answer that. And so we're, we're actually ending the, the campaign this week and we'll be pivoting in the coming weeks to some new projects, some new initiatives that we're really excited to talk about. Nice, nice. So adapting, <laughs> moving with it. Absolutely, yeah. Cool, cool. All right, so I think that's a, a lot of the questions I want to ask. I just, I think this is a question that everyone's kind of talking about now, but uh, what, what do you think is the future of public space? I mean, specifically from New York right now. Um, well, as I said, the future of public space is both bright and optimistic, but threatened. And I think that means that we all, whether we work, you know, in planning and policy or public space, or whether we care about our, you know, neighborhood park, we all need to stand up to this moment and, and advocate for that. Yeah. I also think that that advocacy needs to reaffirm that the future of public space is about delivering critical infrastructure. And we can talk about that in, in several dimensions. Uh, let's, let's take a health dimension. If you or I were to walk into a, a park that had you know, beautiful trees and grass, our standing heart rate would go down. We would immediately receive um, health benefits. Yeah. If we were to go to that park with friends and family, our mental health would be improved, our stress would be reduced. If we were to take part in a park cleanup, we would build social capital that is a really foundation for health long-term. Yeah. If you talk about um, resilience and recovery, um, the streets and sidewalks of New York are now filled with sidewalk cafes, other vendors, and it's giving them a, a foundation, a, a way to, to stay open in these really hard times. We're gonna to need to think, think creative about new ways to do so to help cultural organizations for rehearsals and performances in public spaces. So you're gonna see public spaces be um, used in, in new kinds of ways. Um, I think also too, speaking to the, the kind of point of access, the definition of public space is gonna change dramatically. And if you add up all the parks, but also all the streets and sidewalks, in, in New York City, it comes to something like 40, 30 to 40% of, of total land. And right now we think of sidewalks and streets as in service of a few types of uses, but they are our public commons. And uh, mm -hmm. we are pushing for, others are pushing for completely reimagining who and what those, those spaces are serving. So that we can really think that public space is, is more than just our parks and plazas, it's our corridors, our streets, our sidewalks, under elevated infrastructure, to use a previous example. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's going to be a really dramatic shift in um, how, how we think about that, that public realm. So but we're excited to be part of that. Yeah, changing the framework around um, public space is, I think, it's going to be like a changing factor for sure for the future. If people look at it differently, it's not just, you know, the route between buildings, but part of um, something bigger. Um, yeah, I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a huge, huge uh, shift. So. Rock and roll. Great. So um, is there anything you want to share um, that you're working on and that you want people to know about? Yeah, well, absolutely. Um, um, uh, as I mentioned, our Trust by Design campaign is closing this week. Um, please check out um, that, that, um, the, the website we have for that campaign. It's one word, trustbydesign.com. 
trustpod.space. That's trustpoddesign.space. Cool. Um, all of our content that we've had is still available for viewing. Uh, if you care about public space, we'd really appreciate you know, your support. You can join that cam campaign at any levels, uh, $25 um, uh, and up. There's a lot of cool things you can get from that. So we're really excited about that. Uh, we're actually issuing a, uh, a small book actually from the campaign that will be coming out pretty soon. Um, nice. uh, speaking of programmatic work we're doing, um, our, as I mentioned, our, we source pr projects by an RFP process that happens every two to three years, and we're launching that very soon. Um, we'll be focusing uh, on a theme, this, this, as we do every time, uh, and the theme will be around health equity. So how does public space advance health equity? So please take a look out for that. Um, if you're in New York, please consider you know, applying to that RFP and, and learning about how you can be yeah. uh, a partner with us. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Check, check out our campaign. Check out our, our main website at designtrust.org. Um, there's all kinds of ways you can get involved um, with our work. Uh, we'd love to hear from you on social as well. So yeah, and I will um, link to everything there for sure, so they could all go to that. Um, cool. Any last words? Um, no, Steve. Thank you for for um, um, for having me. Um, you know, to all of you. Oh my make pleasure. Sure you you that everyone go out there and take care of their public space visit it mm -hmm. join a friend's group um advocate for it in and government donate to to groups that support it so yeah take care absolutely. of your public spaces absolutely cool thank you so much matthew it's been a great pleasure hey guys that is all thank you so much for listening if you have any questions just send humancitypodcast at gmail.com or you could hit me up at Twitter at HumanCityPod or even Instagram at Human.City. I love listening. I love hearing it. Please, guys, absolutely anything. I'd love to talk. And that is it. I'm Stig. Goodbye, goodbye.